Hey guys, if you hadn't heard, sports betting is now live in Massachusetts. We're passing along this awesome promo for new DraftKings customers. Deposit and place a $5 wager on any sport to get $200 added to your account in bonus bets, guaranteed. Use our code BASTARDS at sign up to redeem. Using our promo code BASTARDS is a great way to support the pod. So if you don't yet have a DraftKings account, do us a solid and sign up with code BASTARDS and place that first bet. New customers only, 21 plus and physically present in Massachusetts. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-327-5050. Valid. One offer per customer. Minimum $5 deposit and $5 wager required. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets and expire seven days after being awarded. See full terms at DraftKings.com. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever and wherever it is that you are listening to us, we want to thank you in advance. We as fans have always appreciated your input as fellow fans. When you're happy, we're happy. When you're upset, we are too. But we sometimes are just a little bit more honest. We are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. You can find us on Twitter at Bastards underscore Boston. I am your host, Charlie Smith, coming to you from Providence, Rhode Island. You can find me on Twitter at Smith underscore MLB. Our other hosts for this episode are Terry Cushman, coming to us from Myrtle Beach in South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine, and Cody Paulson, coming to us from Houston, Texas, by way of Ponte Vedra, Florida. Terry, how are you doing this evening? Doing very well. Hopefully a smoother episode with no technical difficulties. Off to a good start. Uh, If anyone hasn't already, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, hit that subscribe button. It's a big part of how we grow and um, everyone else before uh, did that. So we always appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks so much. And Cody, welcome back. How are you doing today? Uh, doing very well. It's it's wonderful to be able to be back so soon. Uh, yeah, smoother start, which is great. And hopefully, you know, we got the game alone uh, in, in conjunction with this. So hopefully it'll be a good evening. I love it so far. And, you know, while this game, you know, this is uh, it's it's been a nice start to the season, winning two of the first three. Uh, this evening's episode is going to be Hot Take Tuesday. So, Terry... Why don't you lead us off with your first hot take of the evening? All right. So just a reminder, this is the first Hot Take Tuesday of the season. So uh, everyone that submitted hot takes follows us on social media. So it's going to be their hot takes we're reading. So the first one for this episode comes from kind of an anonymous account. Uh, he goes by Go Pats, and he says it's more of a question: What to do with the Red Sox catching situation? Ten stolen bases in the first couple of games. So, if I'm not mistaken, all ten of those stolen bases were with Reese McGuire behind the plate, and the new rules in MLB. Uh, pitcher can only attempt two pickoff attempts if he goes to a third one and does not successfully pick off the runner it's a balk so it's it's increasingly harder to keep runners at bay they put this rule into place basically to encourage base stealing 
And that's what we started to see. And I think we all found out that it's going to be a difficult uh, dynamic to manage now. And perhaps Reese McGuire doesn't have an arm that can that can basically gun those runners down. Fortunately, Connor Wong has very good pop time, very good arm, so he's probably going to be the more likely of the two. Consequentially, I think this might be the first time I'm regretting not having Christian Vasquez as catcher because he gunned down, I think, 30% of the runners. So it'll be interesting to see how he helps the Twins, but... The the last observation I have here is we were so high on McGuire because you know he he was a good hitter last year, but maybe maybe the premium is going to be solely on defensive catchers. You know, a Sandy Leone type guy, for instance, could gun runners down. He couldn't hit worth a lick, but he could gun runners down, and perhaps guys like that are going to be a higher premium than maybe a, a better offensive catcher. So it's it's a problem and it's it's unique and um we're all gonna we're all gonna see how it affects us and the rest of the league. Terry, that's a that's a great hot take to have. Um, you know, it was a theme that they had talked about a lot during spring training. You know, we with those in-game interviews, people were excited about the new rule changes, you know, a little bit more action on the bait pass. You know, how can you how can you bring that strategy into the game? Um, you know, not not discounting the concern. Obviously, you know, to have 10 bags stolen on you in a series is is definitely a number that you want to circle and look at and say, hey, you know, we got to we got to address this. But it's not like it's a an affliction that is only affecting the Red Sox. Right. You know, if if there were 11 stolen bases in the opening weekend and we were 10 of them. Uh, I would be very concerned then, but you know, on opening day alone, it was a 21 out of 23 clip, right? Compared to five out of nine in the seven opening day games last year. So we're seeing stolen bases go up at a, at an alarming rate across the league. And, you know, the success uh, rate of those stolen bags too are, are higher just across the board. Um, you know, you did a, a great deep dive on, on the pop time. Is that something that we can see McGuire kind of hone in on? Cause you know, um, our Aquaman, uh, his name's escaping me right now. Um, he's not going to be the one that's going to be putting it together behind the dish. He's Alfaro. more of an offensive Alfaro. Thank you. Uh, yeah, he, his contribution is going to be, you know, uh, at the hitting side of the plate. So, um, it is one, it is one series, you know, maybe it was a fluke. Fingers crossed. Um, I, I need to see a little bit more before I start getting overly concerned. So I've already said this once before. I think it's an interesting take, but I think people are really panicking for the wrong reason. I don't think every catcher was going to stop Jorge Mateo four times out of four. I don't think every catcher was going to stop Cedric Mullins three times out of three. Jorge Mateo led the league in stolen bases last year. So People need to take off the beer goggles and recognize that these guys are not slow. This is one of the reasons why they're in the bigs. Jorge Mateo is not a home run hitter, is someone that will get on base, and is someone that will turn singles and walks and errors getting on base into two bases. He has that capability. Cedric Mullins can take that a step further. He can hit home runs. He can hit doubles. He can steal bases. He's even more dynamic. He doesn't steal as many bases as Jorge Mateo because he doesn't hit as many singles he hits more to you know doubles triples and, and home runs so 
I think it's a little too early to start panicking because honestly, I don't think it would have mattered what team those two cats were facing. They were going to be stealing at will. Jorge Mateo led the league again, uh, 35 stolen bases in 2022. Uh, I don't remember Cedric Mullins' number right off the top of my head, but also no slouch is uh, a candidate for 2020, possibly 30-30 this year. The sky is the limit for him. I, I just, I'm not going to poo-poo the catchers based on on a couple of games against two incredibly well-known speedsters in in mate in the major leagues. So I, I, I'm going to leave it on that one. Well, uh, Terry, me, is there anything you want to add? Yeah, I just want to just remind that so they have three opportunities to pick the runner off, but it's really only two because how many pitchers are going to take that right. chance at the balk? So it's just it's going to be. In, it's going to be exceedingly difficult when the runner knows the pitcher is not going to take another shot at him. I think there will be an uptake, maybe not quite, you know, as intense as I may have alluded to, but it's, it's going to be really stressful on pitchers, I think for sure. And catchers. Right. So Cody, uh, want you to with your first hot take of the evening. So my first hot take of the evening comes from Brian McGarrigle, and I apologize if I didn't get that pronunciation quite right. But uh, as I was reading through these, this one kind of caught my eye and is something I think could be a passionate hot button topic. Uh, so his was Dahlbeck will replace Cassis by June. Um, personally, you know, we've done the Bobby Dahlbeck experience, uh, for a couple of years now. He's had, you know, a couple of hot streaks here and there, but for the little, the large stretch of it, his bat has gone ice cold. He's fine defensively. He's got good straight line speed according to the base pass numbers. But um, I just don't see Bobby's game translating to the type of type of team that they're trying to build here in Boston, by the way, that it looks like through the first four games of, of the season. I think what Cassis brings to the table, he's solid defensively. He's willing to take pitches. He's willing to take the ball the other way. Um, do whatever it takes to to turn the lineup over to get the uh, you know to get on base. That just seems to fit the mo of this team a little bit more. So you know, unless Cassis goes in this prolonged slump and and Dahlbeck's hitting the cover off the ball, I just really don't see that um, that swap happening. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Oh, I don't know how people really want to. I don't know if people really want to hear my thoughts about Bobby Dahlbeck. I've been over Bobby D for a couple of years now. When he slowly started, you know, the, the downcline in 2021, I just, I couldn't get behind him. And then last year was an absolute nightmare. I think at this point, if you give him, let's just be real at this point. If you're giving Bobby Dahlbeck another chance, you're giving Bobby Dahlbeck one final chance. That's it. You cannot continue to give players this many opportunities, this long a leash and expect, you know, goal to, to all of a sudden come at the other end of the rainbow. We tried so many times to give Franchi Cordero opportunities, so many times, and it just did not work. At this point, I think you have to be realistic with yourself that Bobby Dahlbeck, it's just not going to happen, not in Boston. And, and I think a change of scenery for him, similar to the change of scenery that Andrew Benintendi reaped the benefits from, could be beneficial for his career if he's to try to stay in the major leagues. Tristan Cassis, everybody already knows that this is going to be the future for our team, hopefully. But he hasn't really been given the same opportunity, the same chance 
that Bobby Dalbeck has. And I think to to almost say, yeah, we're going to give Bobby one more chance to Tristan at this point. Are you really giving him a chance? Or are you saying, yeah, we're going to give you a chance only when he blows it one more time? Because Tristan Costas could all of a sudden say, well, I could have told you that if you just gave me a chance. So at this point, like I, I can't, I can't go back to Bobby D in any capacity. I just can't do it. I, I wish him well, but I, I, I'm just done with it. Terry, what, what's your take on it? The only way I see Bobby Dahlbeck getting called up is and to play first base is if Casas gets injured. Now that is a possibility. He does have um, a slight injury history, but. I don't think they're going to they're going to option Casas back to Worcester. I mean, they were extremely resistant to do that with Dahlbeck the whole time. So why would they do it with Casas? Why would they? And from what I've seen, I, I know he's Casas isn't off to, you know, a real hot start, but his plate discipline, you're still seeing how good it is. And so I'm exceedingly optimistic that he he is a bona fide major leaguer. Now, let's say I'm wrong. Let's say he either gets injured or I'm just wrong and he gets sent down. Go back to 2018. What did we give up for Steve Pierce? Not I not can't a, remember at this point. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, and I I don't have it in front of me. I so uh, but I'm looking up right now. you could go get, you could go get a scrap heap type guy and maybe fill a need. I think Jorge Alfaro can actually play first base if they need to. And so I just, there's just so many other scenarios that could play out, um, for, um, you know, for the Red Sox without having to call up Bobby Dahlbeck. So to answer that question earlier, we got Steve Pierce from the Toronto Blue Jays for Santiago Espinal. Oh, geez. that's what we gave up. <laughs> he was a okay. Well, so he was he's one of their top prospects, I think. So okay. he's you know yeah that's I, that's literally it. I don't think they knew that at the time. Uh, no, Espinal's twenty eight. Okay, he's been he's been yeah yeah so he's been in the, in the bigs. Uh, and had opportunities a couple years. In 2021, he hit 311. Last year, 267. This year, hasn't gotten a hit yet, but it's only been one game for him. Um, you're you're going to end up trading prospects away at one point. You can't just hoard every single one of your prospects. There are going to be some that go. And there are going to be some that we say, damn, I wish we had him. Or, oh, thank God, that one didn't turn out to be anything. I'm not really losing any sleep over Santiago Spinal. Okay. I, well, I'm just, I'm just not. I just think there's a lot more other options that a competent front office exec, not that high bloom meets that criteria, could could do to, you know, basically avoid bringing up Dahlbeck. I really don't want to see that again. I mean, you and I have gone at it ad nauseum, not against each other, but with you know, with one another about how we're just we're done. We're done. We 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 don't want it anymore. It's you can only bang your head against the wall so many times. You just, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Uh, anything else that you want to add for for your take, Cody? I feel like we've been giving prospects a pretty long leash recent uh, with this uh, recent regime of ownership, and I would just like to see that opportunity be given to Casas as well. Um, I don't want I'm to kind of yank him around, mess up his confidence in lieu of you know 
uh, a player who might not be able to train, you know, might be a four A player as they call it. Now, you know, if we do sign like a C Pierce or bring somebody in to to kind of help mentor, that might be a different story. But I don't think it'll be an in house upgrade. Uh, is the right. reason that cost just doesn't get everyday playing time. All right, perfect. Well, uh, for my first hot take here, uh, this this isn't a hot take. So this is just an honorable mention one. Terry Cushman doesn't know what he's talking about. We already know that. But but that that can't be my take because that that would just be like all right move on next so no I'm just kidding there so so this is coming to us from YT this is UTD underscore YT this lineup has the potential to be top ten in the league if the top five hitters keep balling story returning if he returns at all still remaining hopeful about a second half return will help out even more early days but I'm remaining cautiously optimistic like I have been this is actually like a sneaky good hot take. And we were talking about this recently with the Adam Duvall signing. This is someone who nobody thought was going to do what he did in the first three games of the season. I, I, if you, if anybody said, oh, yeah, I, I knew BS, there's absolutely no way you were going to call that. Story returning is also a big question mark because he opted to have surgery a little bit later than he probably should have. I wish he had gotten it a little sooner, but unfortunately, not so much. Yoshida has turned out to be great again. So far, Justin Turner has been doing great so far. I like this hot take, and I would like it a little bit more if we had more than just three games under our belt. To be completely transparent, I love what I've seen, but I cannot forgive the fact that while last year we had a a boatload of bad luck go against us, we had one moment of good luck in the second game, which is why we won that game. So... I'm curious to see what happens. Let's give this a month and see if everyone's still doing what they've done through the first three games after 30 days. That's what I want to see. Cody, anything you want to add to that? I mean, it's, it's a great hot take. And, you know, this is, I feel like, the perfect time to do one of these kind of segments, right? How can we project a season-long worth of, of statistics or production after three games, right? And for all intent and purposes, those first three games, man, if that's what the season is going to look like, count me in because it was exciting baseball up and down um, all all 27 innings that we got to watch um, over, over the weekend. But uh, top 10, you know, it, it could be there. I think, you know, like you said, it's just can these players kind of keep the momentum that they got going from from a hot start? We do get reinforcements back. Hopefully, you know, the pitching kind of comes back and helps us play all three phases of the game, as they like to say, right? Um, and, you know, each side's got to pick up each other, and I think that'll that'll play complementary baseball later in the year. Terry? I'm just wondering, I mean, if, let's just say top five MVP. I mean, that would be an amazing season for Adam Duvall. That, that, if he finishes fifth, that's an MB, MVP season for me. But what would it take for him to get those votes? He'd probably have to hit around the 38 home runs, 100 low 100s runs batted in that he he did in 2021. He'd have to probably have the highest batting average of his career, upper 200s, lower 300s. So now it's starting to look, you know, somewhat extremely unlikely and you'd want a mid 3s on base percentage and also good defense, you know, at least, a at least a positive, uh, defensive war. So it's just, it, it's, 
an incredible long shot, but the one way it could happen is if you have the right batter behind him. You need to force pitchers to pitch to him. So if Casas emerges as that guy and, you know, becomes the major leaguer I was just talking about that I thought he could be, I think that's a, a critical part of the path for Duvall to get there. And, but if he's a 3,100 guy, that's all I need. That's all I need. If he does that, then, you know, in the, the rest of the offense didn't do their job offensively in, in all those categories. So I just feel like, I just feel like it, it is impossible, but it's a fun thing to think about, especially with, you know, the euphoric first series of the year that he had. Right. So here, here's another little fun stat. Since 2000, only three players in the American League that have won the MVP award have hit under 300. Alex Rodriguez hit 298 in 2003. Uh, Mike Trout in 2014 hit 287. And then Donaldson hit 297. I'm not counting Shohei Otani, who hit 257 because he was just a freak of nature. Uh, in every capacity, and that was in 2021. But if you want to count them, that's four. So what was his highest batting average before? Like, what, what's his highest career batting average? Duvall? I don't have it up. I'm, I'm you guessing, said you'd have to hit in the upper 280s? I would say closer to three. So his, his highest batting average in his career is 267. Okay. So he would have to he would have to blow that out of the water. Add at least twenty you know? to twenty five points. I would agree. I would agree. All right. All right. We're gonna just take a quick timeout. Uh, we'll be back probably about ninety seconds or so. All right. Excellent. So Terry, why don't you hit us with your second hot take? What do you got? Mine comes from a good buddy of mine, Andrew DeSanti Senior. He says his hot take is the Red Sox finish second with 91 wins and a wild card spot. Like I said, Andy's my good buddy. He is. And uh, he was uh, my first house guest down here in South Carolina. Oh, I take that back. I guess my girlfriend's family was down here first. But still, one of my earlier house guests, big Sox fan, all around good, solid dude. We share inappropriate memes together on Messenger just to show the level of our, you know, yeah. And uh, anyway, so basically, I don't think the Red Sox have a prayer. And I, I knew we wouldn't, we said we wouldn't talk about it, but spoiler alert, the Red Sox just lost to the Pirates and gave up a, a ton of runs. So I just, the pitching is just, too unsustainable. I'm sticking firm at 74 wins. I don't think there is any pathway to get there. So 
91, I think, is is a little bit lofty. I think when we looked at our projections, um, Andrew and I came in at the highest with 82. I think Jason was in there uh, somewhere in the low 80s as well. Uh, but if we remember the predictions and the uh, Cy Youngs and the MVPs, I had the Red Sox sneaking in as one of the, the wild card teams. So whether, you know, you know, I don't, I don't want to call this a boiling hot take or a flaming hot take or whatever you want to call it, but I do see some merit to it. Um, you know, if this uh, team is able to keep up the offensive production that it has shown thus far, I think the pitching has got to come back down to to the average. I mean, there's no way that we're going to be giving up on average, what, seven runs a game all season. I mean, that would be a record low that would just get us clowned basically into relegation. Um, 91 wins, I do think, is is a bit tough. You know, maybe we get there because we don't have to play the AL East as much as we would have in years past. We get the chance to play some of the, you know, other divisions where, you know, there might be teams that are in the middle of a rebuild. Uh, but I do like them to get that wild card. That is one of the predictions that I try to sneak in there uh, at, at the end. Charlie, what are your thoughts? Uh, 90 win, uh, 91 win, um, 91 wins is just not happening. Um, I think it's adorable, but you, I've said this already so many times before in the past. It wasn't just today. It wasn't yesterday. You cannot, you cannot live as a pitcher giving up six, seven runs a night. You cannot do that. You cannot add that much pressure for your offense to do even more work because you couldn't complete your job. You couldn't do your job that day. And, and Terry said it, Cutter Crawford, just not going to get it done. And sure enough, Cutter Crawford did not get it done. I did not fight him on that one. It just wasn't going to happen. We don't have the, the health. I don't think we have the bodies I, I don't think 90 is a possibility. I think 85 is also not even something we're going to be able to huff. It's sad. I, I want us to be able to do that. But the thing is, we're just we're not able to get there with the tools and the pieces that we have yet. Is there a possibility in the future? Sure. Is 23 the year? I don't know. I, I just I'm really struggling to try to come to terms with that. Every single, you know. Every single game that we have, we're going to be allowing five to six runs. We're going to be winning games like that based on offense. What happens if Adam Duvall and Yoshida and Justin Turner and Devers have an off day? Well, we're losing that. What if they have an off series? We lose that series. And we could get smoked in a series if our pitchers can't pitch. So 91, not going to happen. Uh, Next hot take for the evening. Cody, P, what you got? This hot take comes by the way of H.E. Pennypacker. Uh, starts with a question, ends with a statement. Is Arroyo more than a bench player? A couple of good at-bats, but couldn't catch up to 92 uh, fastball down the pipe. My personal opinion, and we kind of talked about this a little bit yesterday in, in Studs and Duds. Um, I like to kind of create a theme to, to what I'm bringing to the, to the show. Um, I, I see him as a perfect platoon player. You know, this is not a guy that you want to have out there for 155, 160 games. You know, he's proved in the past, unfortunately, that he does have some injury concerns or lack of durability or, you know, whatever you might want to call it. He has had some um, some ailments that has kept him, uh, you know, off off the diamond. But he is that guy you can drop in. He's a great, you know, 
utility infielder. He's had his moments in the outfield, both positive and negative. You know, he is a good at bat off the bench oftentimes. Um, and I think in that role too, he doesn't feel like he has to press as much, right? He's not protecting uh, a spot in the lineup or a spot in the, um, in the field. And he can kind of just bring to the table and contribute, um, in a, in a seemingly less pressure environment, although oftentimes he's pinch hitting in high stress situations, but he does have a pension for the moment. You know, he had, I believe a grand slam against the Yankees was one of our first real inductions to who he was introductions, excuse me, to who he was as a player. Um, and moments like that are going to endear you to a fan base. So, you know, as the story comes back, as modesty comes back, you know, we are going to have the luxury of having a bunch of uber talented individuals that we can play, you know, across a multitude of different positions. And I think that flexibility allows us to be a healthier team. And oftentimes those are the ones that can make deep runs into the postseason and, and be successful. So I've already said it once. It's been real cute having Christian Arroyo here. Unfortunately, he is fragile, if not more fragile than Chris Sale. And Christian Arroyo can't afford to be that fragile. Uh, I've been saying it for a little while now. I'm waiting a couple months to pass by. Terry, you already know what I'm going to say. Give me Alberto Mondesi every day. I am so done with the Arroyo experiment. I'm done. I know Terry and I, we agree for... About ninety-two and a half percent of the time, and seven and a half. This is, you know, this is one of the things we're we're going to disagree on. But give me Mondesi. I'm I'm done with the Royal Terry. I know you're going to rip me apart. Let's hear it. Even if you're correct, Charlie, a guy named Trevor Story will be back, and even the legend, the great God himself. Alberto Mondesi won't be able to keep his lineup spot in the nine hole because he sucks anyway when Trevor Story gets back. I, I don't know. We'll see. He's on the Mondesi's on the 60 day uh, injured list. Um, we'll see if Christian Arroyo can keep himself healthy for 60 days. But if, if Arroyo wants to stay in that lineup and be a relevant part of this team, he needs to he needs to make that hard for Alex Cora with his performance. He's a very good defender, probably not as good as Mondesi. Um, you know, Mondesi's fast around the base pass, so that's another dynamic uh, Arroyo doesn't have. But Arroyo needs to step it up. I'm quietly optimistic he will. I mean, his major league numbers across the board are pretty decent. Like, there's not one area that he's particularly bad in he he hits lefties and righties at a 250 something 260 something clip he he can he can do damage to you know to both pitchers but he he does have to figure it out because we've got Tapia now we've got Ref Snyder you're not going to put Arroyo in the outfield this year just to keep him around he's he's only going to be an infielder so right. he definitely does have to figure it out. I mean, if I mean, it's not impossible that Kike could have another injury. He did miss a huge chunk of last year. So other injuries could be a pathway to keep Arroyo in the lineup. But um, if he like I said, if he wants to be a big factor, he he has to, um, you know, he has to step up. Fair enough. Uh, Cody, anything else you want to add to that? All good here. Right on. All right, so the last hot take of the evening, 
Uh, this is coming from Casual Socks, Casual underscore Socks. Hawk stays in the rotation. Paxton gets traded after decent first half. Good enough lefty starter on a cheap contract. I like this. I, I think this is a good hot take, and, and I'm going to explain why. Paxton has one win in the last three years. He is 1-1 one one from 2020 to 22. If he can get five to seven wins and sub, call five wins and a sub-3-3 three, three ERA, yeah, there's going to be a team that's willing to take a chance on Paxton as like a four or five guy. Um, I really hope Pauk does stay in the rotation because the, the, the musical chairs of we're going to have openers and closers and people in the rotation go to the bullpen and bullpen uh, go to the rotation. It's just, they got to stop that. That that's, you can't just keep throwing, you know, stuff on the wall to see what sticks and, and pray that it all works out. I want how to stay in the rotation one way or the other. We can only have so many people in the rotation, but you need to have people in the rotation and you need to have consistent people in the rotation. I feel that how can be that guy. I, I really do hope Paxton has like a, a good first half and we can ship him off and get something back. I, I don't care what at this point, because he was a zero last year. He was a zero the year before that. And he's, he was a zero in New York. So, you know, three years with a one and one record, a couple years before that, he won 15 games. That was the most he ever won in his career. And that was when he was 30 years old. It's three years ago that that's happened. But man, oh man, if there's an opportunity to get something back, I would take it. Uh, Terry, what are your thoughts on that one? We'll go with you first. I think two-thirds of it is right on. Paxton, there's a realistic possibility Paxton will have been paid $14 million by the Boston Red Sox to have never have thrown a pitch. Like, oh my God, I... That's that's a lot of money. That's that would be life changing money to the three of us, and just a dumb idea to bring him in. And we'll see. He he just had a super mild hamstring strain in early March, and he's gonna miss at least another month. And he even walked off the mound with seemingly no ill effects. I don't doubt that there was a mild strain, but it wasn't even a major one. And the the chances of him not having a setback in the next month is is even, you know, pretty slim. He's just prone to that stuff. So I think that's right on. I think Sale, if he can't figure it out, and I have no reason to suspect he will figure it out, he's going to, they'll at least do a phantom injury just to get him off the team. They're not going to have an automatic loss every fifth day. You, you, as Charlie says, you can't live on that. You just, you just can't. So, uh, especially when Cutter Crawford might be pitching the next night, but I just, I can't see it. And as far as, uh, Tanner Houck winning the Cy Young, stranger things have happened on the Red Sox. Rick Porcello, Rick Porcello won a Cy Young, and I think he should gift that over to Sandy Leone because if it weren't for Sandy, Rick doesn't win a Cy Young. If it ain't for that Tampa writer, as just uh, Justin Verlander's wife, Kate Upton, pointed out, Rick Porcello doesn't win a Cy Young. As, uh, another thing Charlie would say, it's a cute story, 
but um, I don't know. So if Tanner Houck wins it, Dave Dombrowski is a genius for drafting him. Heinblum can't even take credit for that. You just had to slip that in there, didn't you? Cody, go ahead. I was going to say, man, it's one, one jab on the way out. Yeah. If we can flip Paxton for anything at this point, I think that's that's a huge win. Um, you know, it, it wasn't the largest contract that uh, you could have signed when we brought him in. Obviously, there was an injury history. You know, you would have liked a little bit of more team protection out of that. But, you know, I think this is one of the ones you just have to chalk up to a loss. You know, even if he goes out and has a stellar rest of the year, it's still not going to be, you know, kind of what we had hoped for in even medium case scenario, this has been an utter disaster, which is which is a real shame, right? Because you never want to uh, see somebody that's trying to fight an injury history to prove that they're you know worth the the money that they signed for. Um, it appears that he's already starting to go out on rehab starts. I think he was supposed to finish in Buffalo against the Blue Jays AAA team. They moved him down to Fort Myers because of the the weather up there. So you know, at the moment in time, you know he's. On, on the right path back. But how many times can we say that before, you know, we're blowing the face, right? You can only call Wolf so many times before people stop listening. Um, how winning the Cy Young, uh, I like him in the rotation better, my personal opinion, you know, and maybe that's the reason I'm doing a podcast and, and not working in the front office is I like how better in the rotation and I like Whitlock better in, in the bullpen. Um, you know, currently we, we've got those uh, flipped when everybody's healthy, but we'll we'll kind of see how that plays out. Charlie, what are your thoughts? No, man. I mean, I, I that's that's I, everything. Everything that you guys have said is, is great, uh, Terry. I knew he was going to try to slip in one more shot. Uh, I've said it. Porcel deserved that Cy Young, so I'm not going to say anything else after that. Um, give it to Sandy. Don't give it to Sandy. I don't care. He still had to make the pitches. I, I like Hawk for the future. I like him this year, but you know, we, we we've had you know kind of stale milk in the rotation, stale milk in the bullpen and miscellaneous pieces that haven't really worked out. So I think on that one, we should probably call it uh, to all of our listeners. I do want to thank you as I think all four of our other co-hosts would as well. And wherever it is that you do listen to us, we appreciate you. We thank you. And we look forward to interacting with you at a time real soon. Take care. <laughs>